Welcome to Kitchen Table Conversations, a series of short and shareable conversation starters for those of us who have or love and support people with a complicated and beautiful brain. Here's your host, Angela Geddes. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Kitchen Table Conversations. I'm your host, Angela, and once again, so happy that you've decided to tune in. Happy spring, everyone. Um, it's so nice to be able to see a little bit of little bit more sunshine here in southwestern Ontario and some warmer weather, and I guess it gets us thinking about gardening and the growing season. And then I got some interesting articles through my email um, just this week speaking about some of the... Uh, some of our culture's tendency to include marijuana and cannabis use in our recreation and in our healthcare. So I thought I'd spend some time today discussing some of the potential risks that are associated with long-term cannabis use and certainly uh, some of the risks associated with cannabis use during pregnancy. So um, it was really, really interesting because actually, coincidentally, I'm heading to Fanshawe College today to do some some guest teaching uh, with regards to fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and complex mental health conditions with some of our child and youth worker students. But there was another time that I did a guest teaching presentation at another college. And, um, you know, we were talking about the risks associated with both alcohol and marijuana during pregnancy. And it was really, really surprising and a little bit disheartening to see how there were so many people in the room that felt that uh, cannabis use was a really safe alternative. And I think that, you know, we're learning more and more about the risks associated overall with alcohol use for all of us. And, um, and that's good because I think we all need to make informed decisions. But then I also think that there are so many people who view uh, cannabis as being a very natural occurring medicine and that it's been very helpful. And I won't deny that. I work with a lot of veterans who have reduced their more standard Western pharmaceutical intake and switched over to, to using cannabis for medicinal purposes and, and they're finding significant benefits. So I'm not, I'm not a doctor for one thing. I'm not here to say, um, to tell anybody what they should or what they shouldn't be doing, but I'm here to help people make informed decisions. And I think it is really important to understand that there are risks with anything that we put into our body that's not necessarily um, used to being there. So I think we have to be aware. And, you know, there's there's a lot of people, too, that feel that marijuana isn't addictive. But I mean, if you're relying on it on a daily basis or if you're using it in order to feel better, then I think there's certainly... Um, the opportunity for us to get used to and our bodies to get used to feeling better as a result of a, of a substance that we introduce. So there's always a risk of getting um, dependent upon any kind of medicine. And I think, you know, and I've often said, you know, really and truly too many apples will give you a bellyache. So it's really, really important to be aware and to moderate um, how much we use or eat or consume anything, whether it's television or whether it's shopping or whether it's working too much or whether it's using too much cannabis or other illicit drugs. I mean, there, there's, there are risks associated with that and, and we have to be aware of them in order to make good decisions. But I think the reason why I'm choosing today's topic is because there are many people that really don't feel there are any risks. And, I, and, and again, I'm here to bring some of these conversations back to our own kitchen tables to help us to understand that there are. 
So you can check out my website to read a little bit more because I will be posting some of uh, some of these articles that I'm referring to. But in one article in particular through Psychology Today, it discusses that at you know with some of the research that they've done at 45 years of age, long-term cannabis users typically that means one to four times weekly exhibited uh, a mean 5.5 point childhood to adulthood IQ decline with poor learning and processing speed. So, I mean, that's pretty significant. I don't think any of us have IQ points to lose. So it also indicates that long-term cannabis users showed significantly larger IQ decline with poor learning and memory and poor processing speed than long-term tobacco and alcohol users. So not that I'm condoning tobacco and alcohol use, but there is some risks associated with cannabis that I don't think many of us are aware of. And these findings conflict with popular claim that cannabis use is always safer than alcohol. So I'm here to say that it might not be, and we need to know that. Um, so non-problematic, so cannabis use that's less than, less than weekly in midlife is unlikely to compromise your cognitive decline. So again, what we're talking about here is is moderation and being aware of the risks. And and long-term cannabis users who quit still showed some subtle cognitive declines. So long-term cannabis users did not perform significantly worse than cannabis quitters on any kind of test. So in other words, sometimes the damage um, may already be done. This research paper also indicates that the hippocampal volume within our brain actually declines by upwards to 12% after decades of persistent cannabis use. So obviously that's affecting our brain size. And the changes caused by long-term cannabis use can resemble risk factors for dementia later on in life. So these are, again, these are concerning um, findings that I think we need to be sharing around our, our own kitchen table so that we're, we're aware of what, uh, what we're putting into our bodies. So again, I encourage you to go to my website to get a few more details around this. Um, but then I also wanted to share with you that you know, some of our findings around cannabis use during pregnancy, and you know, it's it's hard to sometimes tease out because lots of times when people are using cannabis, they're also using alcohol. So that in combination will obviously increase the risks. But there is some research indicating that cannabis use during pregnancy can lead to Increased aggressive behavior, for example, and attention deficit uh, difficulties at 18 months for young people. At three to six years, there's deficits found in verbal and perceptual um, skills, quantitative and visual reasoning, short-term memory and attention, and hyperactivity, and sometimes there's some impulsivity found. Um, That's about age three to six years. At, At age nine to 11, we're seeing difficulties with abstract um, thought processes and visual reasoning some again attention is compromised planning and organizing and executive functioning sometimes there's some reading and spelling and attention difficulties Um, some social behaviors you know some internalizing so maybe some anxiety and externalizing behaviors that can be problematic on the schoolyard for example or with social interactions Uh, the impulsivity um, hyperactivity, and now we're starting to see depressive and anxious symptoms, 
and maybe even some psychotic-like experiences, so some thought disturbances. And they're also finding sleep disturbances, which is another thing that we're finding with um, prenatal alcohol exposure. I mean, most of the kids, if not all of the kids and adults that I support who do have a complex neurodevelopmental disorder related to prenatal alcohol exposure, every single one of them actually have um, have demonstrated you know, difficulties with sleeping, whether that be oversleeping, but in most cases, it's under undersleeping and disrupted sleep. At age 14 to 16, we're starting to see deficits in, in visual cognitive functioning, academic achievement is suffering, uh, information processing speed, and, and, and we're starting to see some, some delinquency potentially, not attending school, and vulnerabilities around the justice system. At age 17 to 22, we're also seeing continued uh, deficits in executive functioning that might be magnified now because the expectations are higher the older we get. Um, not a lack of inhibition and uh, working memory is compromised. And this is when we start to see people then start to self-medicate and engage in maybe cigarette smoking. There's a higher risk of that. Um, and early early onset of uh, substance use problems. And another article that I read this week indicated that individuals uh, who have been prenatally exposed to alcohol are at much higher risk of substance use early on. So, you know, younger um, introduce, introduction to alcohol or substance use and ongoing difficulties. And I often see it in my practice and uh, actually, I suppose, in my community where individuals who have been exposed to alcohol have a significantly harder time uh, managing their alcohol use. So, you know, light to moderate use seems to be out of reach. It's either an all or nothing uh, kind of approach to alcohol use. So that is, uh, that is definitely another risk factor. So something that, again, we need to be aware of so that we can put um, supports or strategies in place in order to reduce the risk. So there you have it. Um, you know, I just wanted to spend some time today talking about some of the risks associated with just overall um, cannabis use and uh, and how it relates to our brain function and our long-term cognitive abilities. And I just don't think that any of us really want to compromise that in any way unnecessarily. So I think it's worth having the conversation. And again, you know, I can remember being in a, in a, in a classroom with young people and who really, really believed that marijuana was a safe alternative. And you know, made comments to the effect that they would choose not to have pregnant, not to be pregnant at all, and to choose not to have children if it meant that they couldn't use marijuana as a safe alternative to continue with their recreation and their medicinal use throughout the pregnancy. So again, if we're this worried and if we're this dependent upon a substance to help us feel better, then I always encourage us to ask ourselves the question, why? Because it's always important to try to uncover what the root cause of our distress is. And I encourage everyone to speak to their family doctors or their medical providers to help them to get on a path to, to become more curious and to find some alternative supports and services and strategies that can contribute to improved mental wellness. Hope you found this conversation to be a little bit enlightening and helpful. And I hope that it goes back to your kitchen tables with many thanks. Angela.